Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 131 of Let's Go Racing. Tyler Jones and Dominic Conagon here with you. Thanks for joining us. Short show today uh, as David is uh, busy with some obligations this week, uh, getting ready for the uh, Tony Stewart uh, smoke show going at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, and uh, no guests this week, but Dominic and I still wanted to make a point to get you guys some content and just, just bring you – some headlines, talk about what's going on in the NASCAR playoffs. So uh, not going to be the full-on show you normally would expect, but didn't want to leave you guys without something. And so with that, uh, Dominic, appreciate the time as always, my friend, and uh, you joining us. Uh, Dom, let's uh, get right to it. Uh, A.J. Allendinger wins at the Roval, was very emotional. And, you know, you and I were talking before the show, this is a unique situation because college racing has not had the success that they would have hoped for, right? Justin Haley's leaving at the end of the year, going to Rick Ware Racing. Um, A.J. Allmendinger was hoping to get a win at one of these uh, road courses at some point this year, getting the playoff. It now finally happens. Um, and, and hearing him say afterwards, like, you know, you just never know in the Cup Series when this is going to be the last one. Um, I don't know if that's the last win for AJ Allmendinger in the Cup Series or not. I think there's probably a good chance that is. But if if that's the way he went out, like uh, I mean, those, those type of moments that you could you could feel it and, and uh, understand for that raw emotion because uh, that's that's a that's a lot of work uh, for AJ Allmendinger and that college racing team that has been together for a long time to get to this point. Well, that commitment that Colleague Racing has had with A.J. Allmendinger and pulling him from the broadcast booth, was it 2019 or 2020? It might have been during the pandemic for a partial schedule, and Chris Rice wanted to work with him so bad, and they pieced together some wins. They they win in Atlanta, a non-road course track. He gets full-time in the Xfinity Series, leaves the broadcast booth altogether, and then goes back cup racing. His first This is his first full-time cup year since 2000. 19, I believe. So it's been a long time since Almendinger had been in cup running on Sundays. And a lot of these driver's seats have been filled for 2024, but one that has not been filled yet has been that number 16 car. And you hear AJ's comments on TV. And then I, I went back and read through what he had to say at the, the, the post-race press conference. So they do their interview with TV, they go to victory lane, and they go meet with the media for about 30 minutes. Every race winner does this. Xfinity, Truck, Cup Series. And Almendinger's in there saying, you know, they have Chris Rice and Matt Colleague in there too, and reporters are pressing them. So what's going on with the 16 car next year? And, there, and there's no answer. You would think, Tyler, if he's your guy, if he's returning in 2024, you put that all to rest right there in that press conference, like how Joe Gibbs did about two months ago. That, hey, Danny Allen is going to be back. And this is that even though nothing had been signed, Chris Rice said there would be a press conference. A.J. Allmendinger just said, hey, we, we've we won a cup race. We're celebrating a cup win. So you, you see all these signs. It seems like it's a set and done decision, and this win's not going to make a difference, which is a shame because it seems like the 16 team is picking up pace. And, and, and granted, Almendinger showed speed a lot last year, Tyler, running that all-star deal that they had with the 16 car, the all-star car. He ran with 20 races, finished top 10, what, eight or nine times. And it just hasn't panned out in a full-time cup series season. I'm sure there's more pressure. There's a lot more things you got to worry about in that, that grind. But 
Really, really interesting to see how that's going to play out. It seemed like the 16 car is just not obvious right now on when that announcement is going to be, who's going to be driving that car. But I got to be thinking A.J. Allmendinger is not back in the car just based on what we saw Sunday. Yeah, maybe so. You might be onto something. Uh, I look at college racing, and Dom, this is their second year of full-time racing, uh, correct, um, in, in the Cup Series, you know, with the charter and everything. They have two charters. And I got to say, up until this weekend, they have been one of the most disappointing teams in the Cup Series because they came up around the same time of Trackhouse and 2311. Before they were even a full-time team with the charter, A.J. Allendinger goes to victory lane at the Indy Road Course. And it's like, all right, they're here to play. You know, we've heard, uh, you know, Matt Collig said that he he loves winners, you know, that he, he you know, he's trophy hunting and all that. And there hadn't been those trophies that they'd been looking for. And, you know, Justin Haley ends up leaving. And now this uncertainty with A.J. Allmendinger, not finding the consistency. Things have not gone well. Mm -hmm. And to make matters worse, like, no offense to any Daniel Hemrick fans out there, but I don't think Daniel Hemrick is the solution that they should have been looking for. Like, if – to me, I, I wonder, like, what is – why the this team can't figure it out. They had such a successful Xfinity program, but it has been a struggle for them to compete at the cup level. They have money. They have resources. I know ECR engines have not been that great really since midsummer, um, but this might have been the breakthrough they needed because it, it has been a, a rough go at it for them at, at the cup level as of late. Well, Las Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville, there's all going to be way different tracks than what we saw at the Charlotte Road Course, but a win gives a team natural momentum. Momentum, as we know in NASCAR, is very real. And maybe this is the kick in the pants they need to finish out the year well. And who knows what's going to happen with that, right? And, and, and Tyler, I think we were talking earlier too, Chandler Smith seemed like he was kind of a lead candidate, possibility for that role. And now at the time of the taping of this show, he's being asked to be released out of his multi-year deal with Collier Racing to go back to Toyota Racing Development and work with Joe Gibbs Racing in 2024. We'll see what comes of that. Another thing they got floated around, Matt the Benedetto. But I really think this all comes down to the almighty dollar. Justin Haley not really necessarily bringing a lot of funding to the table and Matt Colley running this with the Lee Filter company that he owns. And, and I feel like that gets old. That has to get old. We saw that get old with Barney Visser in the 78 team. That got old years ago with, with was it Die Guard Racing in the 80s and, and Cliff Stewart. A lot of these independent owners. And, and cup racing is a whole lot more expensive than Xfinity racing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you gotta you gotta figure you want your team to be successful. It's not necessarily that you want a paid driver. You gotta be able to pay the bills. You gotta be able to have somebody in there that's gonna be able to help keep not only the, the lights on, but 15, 20, 30 people that depend on those paychecks at that race team. Yeah. Uh, but a big day for AJ Allmendinger. Happy for AJ and uh, for him to get that win. Long time coming. And it was awesome to see. Yeah. The race itself, I'll be honest, Dom, you know, looking at the highlights and everything, AJ led most of the race. It wasn't much of a race up front. Um, the story of this race was, you know, the guys that got eliminated, of course, but then, you know, the problems that occurred, if whether it was mechanical failures or the, the crashes and all that from behind, 
AJ never really left this race in doubt. I know William Byron got close to his rear at the end of the race, but it was always AJ's to lose. It was really every, the action, uh, you know, was really about everywhere else but up front. Oh, absolutely. And, and I would say at the beginning of the race, too, Tyler Reddick looked like the strong card. 23-11 looked really strong. I, I even made the comment that Bubba Wallace really stepped it up this playoff. I got to give credit where credit's doing that. 23 card looked really fast. When, when do we ever talk about Bubba Wallace running well at a road course, qualifying in the top five, running inside the top 10. I believe he collected stage points at 1.2. And now, granted, the race didn't fall the way he would have liked. But there were some good comers and goers. But more often than not, you saw that 16 car up front when it counted. Chase Elliott leading laps. Had strategy fallen a different way with the cautions, maybe we'd be talking about Chase Elliott winning that race. But the dominant car got the win, much like how we saw with Michael McDowell at Indy. William Byron at Watkins Glen, if you started out front or had a really good opportunity to race up front, you were going to finish up front unless it was something you were doing. And, and we did see that with A.J. Allmendinger this weekend. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, now let's uh, talk about the NASCAR playoff picture. One guy in particular, Dom, as we transition to the playoffs, Denny Hamlin, you talk about timing, secured the points in those first two stages then has a problem in that final stage. Uh, Denny is very fortunate that things happened when they did uh, and didn't affect him. Uh, now the points reset, and here he is just, uh, what is it, nine points back from the lead? Like, nothing ever happened. Absolutely. That's what a great regular season does, and to even take that a step further, his teammate, Martin Truex Jr., I think this was Jonathan Field, the racing experts, our editor, that had said this. So, and if I'm quoting the wrong person, I apologize. But under the current format where you have the round of 16, the round of 12, and so forth, this is the first time that you have any driver advance on from the round of 16, from the round of 12, to the round of 8 as a playoff contender without scoring a top 10 finish within the first six races of the playoffs. You want to talk about consistency through the regular season and paying off in the playoffs Martin Truex Jr. is very thankful he had all the points he collected, all the stage wins, all of the race victories, because that has been able to carry that team. His best finish, I believe, is 16th or 17th. Now, Kansas is the outlier in there where he had the crash on lap three. Hard to say where he was going to finish there. But you got to imagine, six races. He even said, Truex said in his post-race comments, that's not going to cut it in this run. You have to run up front. You have to lead laps Two of the three wins are likely to go to playoff guys based on past trends. And that's what Truex said. We're going to have to step ourselves up. And he knows it himself. So the uh, playoff standings now, the eight that are there, William Byron is your leader with uh, 41 points. Truex second, 36. Hamlin third with 32. Kyle Larson fourth with 24. Chris Buescher fifth with 21. Uh, we have uh, Christopher Bell with uh, 16 points, Tyler Reddick also with 16, and uh, Ryan Blaney with 14 as your eight that have advanced on. Uh, Dom, let's start off the top. William Byron had a chance to win this past week. We mentioned, you know, he made a late charge there. Uh, he's got six wins, which is double any other playoff driver remaining at this point. Clearly, that 24 team is still the team to beat here. I got to imagine, too. I know 
setups change and and there's so much that doesn't really carry over that maybe would have carried over 20 or 30 years ago but you got to think you've won the march las vegas race and you're coming back to this opening round of eight race in vegas this weekend you got to think there's some momentum there you got to think there's a lot of confidence in that 24 camp who's to not say that they can't go out and sweep and, and go make that first playoff championship four appearance in the cup side yeah yeah, they're 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 going to be a force to be reckoned with. Denny Hamlin, meanwhile, got three wins. We've seen him run for the most part, other than this, this last week at Charlotte, pretty well throughout this playoff to this point. Um, and, and taking on, you know, kind of the outspoken villain role of some sorts. I know that Jeff Gordon and him had a little bit of back and forth the last couple of days here. I, I, I like this Denny Hamlin, like, and you and I have talked about it all throughout the season. He has taken a much different approach than what we've seen uh, his entire career. He's loose. And the way that he's approached this playoff, you know, basically just giving no Fs, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. he, he's out there acting like he's got nothing to lose at this point. Absolutely. He said he, maybe he has. He said he's come to grips without winning a championship, that he could finish his career without a title. And maybe when you get to that point, Tyler – and, and, and you really believe that, that mentality. It's just that I don't give a you-know-what mentality, and I'm just going to go out and do my thing and, and be the best driver I can. And maybe it's that mentality that has carried him differently in 2023. It is definitely a different Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Byron and, and Hamlin, I feel like, are the, the favorites uh, to win that championship when we get to Phoenix here. Who do you think is the next guy uh, that could play spoiler that that could get in the mix that could go on a run here in this the rest of this playoff run. Well, yeah, that is such a, a great question and and very convenient for me because I think it would be that fourth guy on the grid with Kyle Larson being the fourth seed now in this round of eight who has advanced to the championship four and he won at Phoenix in 2021. Kyle Larson and the five team can really get it done if they can. Cliff Daniels. And Kyle Larson are not afraid to go outside of the box and, and, and go with some radical changes. And, and Cliff Daniels, of all the crew chiefs you hear on the radio, he knows how to get the best out of Kyle Larson and, and how to bring out the best in him and just pep talk him on the radio. And it's not like this rah-rah coach thing. He really knows what he's doing on top of that pit box, gets the most out of his driver, and, and that's a good leader right there at the number five team. Yeah, I think so. I think that five team is going to be interesting. Uh we heard uh, this week Denny Hamlin say that he's not taking things any on anything easy on Tyler Reddick. That uh, his number one priority is still the eleven team, and rightfully so. Uh, Tyler Reddick, of course, has a win in this playoff. He's got two on the year. Uh, Tyler Reddick for me is, is interesting because Dom, based on the regular season, Tyler Reddick wasn't supposed to still be here, and he's got a win in the playoff. That 45 car has been running better as of late here. If anyone's going to potentially crack the party and knock out one of those top four, Byron, Truex, Hamlin, or Larson, uh, I know a lot of people are going to talk about Chris Buescher, and rightfully so with the season Chris Buescher's had breakout break year three wins. But I got my eyes on that uh, that that 45 car, Tyler Reddick. Uh, I, I think they're, they're starting to put it together the right time here. Here's the thing, too, and I think you might agree with me on this with Reddick, and I'll put Christopher Bell in the same category. Great out of the Toyota camp. Those drivers looking as good as ever. Christopher Bell taking those poles at the beginning of the playoffs. Tyler Reddick looking a lot less flawless, but that's the thing. These drivers have to be flawless through these playoffs. 
We've seen Reddick's team on pit road making mistakes. We've seen Christopher Bell with the mental mistakes that he's acknowledged through some of these rounds of the playoffs. The 45 and the 20 piece together full races where you're earning stage points and knock off potentially a victory. I wouldn't be surprised if we were talking about two of these four playoff championship four drivers being Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell. But that's the key, Tyler. They need to piece full races together. Can they do that? The million-dollar question. Uh, I think everybody wants to know, can they do that or not? Uh, the upcoming playoff schedule for this round, the round of eight. Uh, let's tell you about that real quick here. We begin in Las Vegas this weekend with the South Point Casino 400. Then uh, next weekend, we go to Homestead, Miami for the uh, Mobile One 400. And then we wrap up the round with Martinsville with the Xfinity 500. Uh, very interesting setup here, Dom. Two mile and a half tracks that are very different from each other, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then go short track racing at Martinsville for that final uh playoff race before the championship round here. Uh, I, I think that you are going to see your your typical names. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I, I would be, I'll put it this way, I don't see there being too many surprises because these are your quote unquote bread and butter tracks that the cream should rise to the top at. Uh, you would think so. And I, I think maybe a name that could rise to the top this weekend at Vegas only because they've had more preparation being locked into this whole round three weeks to prep their car. He's never won at Las Vegas, but he's won polls. He's led a bunch of laps, finished top five countless times. Ryan Blaney in the 12th team. Got to think that they're going to be a factor this weekend in Vegas. And then you look at, at Homestead, the first name that pops in my head is Kyle Larson. Last year's winner. Runs the high line like anybody. So well running that racetrack. Tyler Reddick is so well at that place as well. And then you look at the short track in Martinsville. William Byron and that team have been the best well-rounded team in my opinion, in the 2023 Cup Series season. And I feel like that track would just play into his driving style. You're going to have a lot of these front runners be guys that are in that round of eight. They have made it this far for a reason, and they'll be running up front for that reason. Yes, definitely so. Uh, Dom, got plenty to uh, discuss in our news and notes segment this week. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with some more silly season. On Tuesday, October 10th, it was announced on his social media, and I believe there's going to be more to the announcement that Carson Josevar is going to cup racing starting in 2024. Carson Josevar will replace Ty Dillon in the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet entry in the Cup Series in a multi-year deal starting next season. Carson Josevar made his Cup Series debut with Spire Motorsports this past season when Corey LaJoy stepped in for a one-race deal for a suspended Chase Elliott at the Gateway Race in June. Along with those duties, Carson Hosevar has been racing with Legacy Motor Club, replacing Noah Gregson after he asked for the release of his contract earlier this year. And Tyler, i got to say, that's a good move. We've seen consistency with Carson over the last six, seven weeks. And he even said, I, I think in one of his comments, I feel like God built this car for me. It's just there's something about this car that plays into his driving style. And he's getting the most out of that equipment. I got to imagine he's going to be doing that next year in that 77 team. Well, uh, he's a tall guy. He's like 6'5", and this is the biggest stock car we've ever seen. So maybe that has something to do with it of some sorts. But yeah. uh, Carson Hosevar has done a hell of a job uh, when he's gotten a chance to go cup racing. 
you know, what is he? He's only 22 years old, if that. I mean. What the heck were we doing at 22, Tyler? Right? I mean, he is doing an incredible job. I, I, I normally, Dom, am of the belief of that you should go through each series um, and get plenty of seat time and experience. But host of art has, you know, filled in in cup racing and been competitive and, you know, outrun his, uh, you know, his competitors, you know, done a great job with multiple teams, getting to ride for Spire, for Legacy Motor Club, and done a really good job. And he's proven that he's more than ready to go cup racing. And, and for that Spire team, too, I think that's a good role for him to jump into when you think about this, Dom. He's not being asked to go hop into a Gibbs car and try to go make the playoffs. He's being asked to go elevate that Spire team, which you look at their last couple drivers, they don't really have much more to go from from the bottom than up from here at this point because the performance uh, of that 77 car the last few years is – uh, had not has not been good. So uh, the level of expectation for Osovar is not that high right now, which that's that's good for a rookie driver, I think, in his situation. Oh, absolutely. I think Ty Dillon is your lowest of all drivers that have made every start this year, all 33 races, by a mile as far as the points acquired, point standings, et cetera. And I, I think it, it could even be safe to say, Tyler, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Corey LaJoy and, and Ty Dillon are not getting the same equipment. Or at least that's what it appears to be on the surface. Maybe that changes next year, and I, I could just be looking at something that's not there. But you got to imagine Carson Josephar will crack the top 30 in points, score a couple top 10 finishes at the very least. If, if, if trends continue from this year into next year, Carson Josephar will elevate that program, and that will be a successful season for that organization. Yeah, I think so. Uh, good find there with uh, Carson Josephar there. What else we got going? couple more headlines here. So the Homesteader race we were just talking about has a new title sponsor. And we typically don't cover sponsor news, but this one is just too good to not discuss. The Homestead Miami Speeder race, the following the Las Vegas race weekend, will be renamed the Forever 400 presented by Mobile One. Mobile One paying tribute to the retiring Kevin Harvick. And Harvick's done at the end of the season. Tyler kind of gives those feels of when Phoenix Raceway renamed it to Jeff Gordon Raceway for the day in 2015. Maybe not quite that level, but really cool to see a NASCAR on track or just a track in general. All these tributes they've been doing for Kevin Harvick and, and kind of like a Jeff Gordon-esque kind of right off into the sunset here. Hey, we're going we're gonna to have your name attached to the race. So whatever the record books show for that race, Kevin Harvick's name will be attached to it. Yeah, uh, very cool. It would have been awesome if he would have gotten the win at Talladega uh, after everything went went about of the win being uh, the uh, the second place finish taken away. Maybe it wasn't so great that he he didn't win that. But you know, going to a, a place that he's won a championship at, that he's had success at there at ha Homestead, uh, it, it'll be really cool and. and I know that we've talked about all year, Dom. We've known that Kevin Harvick was retiring, and uh, he made that well-known. But I, I still feel like that that kind of has been pushed to the wayside of sorts, that it's been kind of forgotten about, as crazy as that that seems. Um, you know, the, the season's been so exciting, so entertaining, and, and maybe because it's not a Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson or Dale Jr., but uh, maybe Kevin hasn't gotten the – 
fanfare that he really deserved. And and this uh, should be good for that. It should be. And I, like you look at the the numbers, 60 wins and not missing a race since April of 2002 and one of the longest consecutive start streaks in Cup Series history. There's a lot to celebrate with Kevin Harvick. And, of course, the the way he took over the the premier ride at Richard Childress Racing with the death of Dale Earnhardt just being thrust into that role. There's there, There's not – it doesn't seem like there's as much appreciation for Kevin Harvick as there should be, like you said. He's yeah. he's a very underrated driver, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Matt Kenseth in the news. Speaking of retired drivers, Matt Kenseth is coming back to the sport, but in a different role and capacity. It was announced on Tuesday, October 10th. Legacy Motor Club will be employing Matt Kenseth in a competition director sort of role effective immediately. So Tyler and I were talking about this before coming on air. And and from what we gather on this role, Matt Kenseth is going to be working somewhat like a driver coach role, working with Eric Jones and with John Hunter Imachek come 2024. But Jimmy Johnson hired him effective in October of 2023 in preparation, you got to imagine, for the next season. That's a great hire, Tyler. What better to learn from somebody who's won a championship, who's won a Daytona 500, a Southern 500, and arguably has the best dry sense of humor? You got to imagine that's going to jive well with everybody he works with. Well, and uh, there's an interesting irony to this that he is essentially going to be the driving coach of some sorts of Eric Jones, the man who took his ride at Joe Gibbs Racing. Like, to me, that that's a a funny storyline. I know that was years ago, and I'm, I'm sure there's not any bad blood towards Eric Jones, because um, you know, Eric Jones, it's not his fault that Matt Kenseth lost his ride there, and in, in that circumstance, but uh, it is funny how how these things circle back the way that it is. But you got Jimmy Johnson there, you got Richard Petty, of course, there, uh, and Matt Kenseth. Like they have incredible personnel. Now they just need results to deliver themselves. And uh, this is a guy, too, that we saw when thinking about these circumstances, Dom, um, with this transition to Toyota. This is a guy in Matt Kenseth we saw have immediate success after all those years of running forward when he switched to Toyota. Granted, different car and everything, but he can help this team through this circumstance of knowing that he's done this before. Certainly. I mean, he made that swap over from Roush Van Way in 2012 to Joe Gibbs in 13. He went from what, barely qualifying for the playoffs the year before and getting some lucky super speedway wins and included Daytona 500 to seven wins, flat out dominating at different types of racetracks and coming up just short to Jimmy Johnson in the title line and had that consistency throughout his, what, six-year career he had at Joe Gibbs Racing. So, Kenseth, Toyota, Eric Jones, seems like there's some sort of reunion, some sort of thing here. And really cool that Jimmy Johnson's pulling all these different pieces with the team. I'm, I'm liking what Legacy Motor Club is doing in 2024, and it seems like they're trying to right the ship because we know this year was a very disappointing season. I feel like Johnson's putting a lot of pressure on the organization to perform in 24, but you're bringing in, you're, you're making the right moves and bringing and surrounding yourself with the right people. And that's, what's going to be the big difference here. That big key is getting people involved and they have some really good people involved with that organization. Yeah, I think so. Uh, now I, I got to bring up one thing real quick uh, while we're on news and notes headlines, front of the show, Brett bear, uh, Fox news, special report, obviously done a lot of work with, with uh, David, 
uh, is going to be back on a cup card this weekend uh, for another friend of the show, BJ McLeod, in their Live Fast Motorsports car, the 78 Chevrolet, for his uh, To Rescue the Constitution book that just came out this week. They got a special paint scheme and everything. Uh, I love it, Dominic, when, when we see people we like from different worlds come together and make this work. Like, you know, our friend Matt Jennings was behind it all, putting it together. And, you know, BJ and Matt Tiff, of course, great guys in their organization. And and Brett Bear, of course, uh, he's terrific as well. I mean, I, I, I that's what I love just from a personal standpoint is seeing guys we know, you know, love and respect from different avenues come together and, and do something cool like this. Well, it's just, it's motorsports. Motorsports brings people together. Like how the same music brings people together. Music doesn't care where you came from. It'll bring you together. And that's what motorsports does here. You have people from all these different walks of life and different backgrounds and people that have come from different parts of the country and different parts of the world. But what's that common thread? The love of motorsports and the love of fast cars. And I'll be out there in Vegas this weekend. So I look forward to seeing how that car looks in person. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be great, uh, for sure. Dominic, what else we got going? Wrap-up news and notes this week. Of course, we usually end it with our odds and looking at the odds on favorites. NASCAR, Las Vegas, odds. You can't end a show without talking about that. And your opening odds for the South Point 400 include Kyle Larson at 9-2. to You have Denny Hamlin and William Byron at 11-2. to And your lowest-ranked driver, the drivers that are still eligible for the championship, Maybe a good pick here, Tyler, if you're placing a bet on the race. Chris Busher sits at 16 to 1 odds for the South Point 400. I don't know how William Byron's not the favorite. He's got six wins on the year. These tracks are what he's best at. And he won there earlier this year. Like, to me, maybe Vegas is overthinking. Maybe they know something we don't, which happens from time to time with Vegas. But William Byron, for me, I don't know how in the world he's not the favorite this weekend. I would agree with that. Again, he's won, and in that momentum, you got to think there's some natural confidence that comes with that. You, you've won that race earlier this year. You know it's going to be somebody in the playoffs getting that advancement to the championship four race that wins, in my opinion, like how we have seen the last few years. We saw that with Joey Logano last year. And you go on, and you have three weeks to prep. Of course, you're going to be on your A game for Phoenix. I'm telling you, man, Ryan Blaney, I, I believe he's at 12 to 1 odds for the Las Vegas race this weekend, at least in opening odds. That might be a solid pick right there, too. You have all this time to prep. You've run so well there. What a better way to close off your first Las Vegas win to get your first champion four appearance. All right. Uh, time for our mailbag segment where you guys submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email. At Star Podcast on Facebook and X. Uh, also email davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us there. Uh, our first question comes from Ken, and I think we have an answer to this based on something we talked about earlier in the show. Ken asks, I'm wondering about the seemingly strange performance fall-off of the RCR number eight team. Performance escalated and fell off. Any theory? And Ken, uh, I got to tell you, Dominic and I, I think we might be on to something here. What's going on there? I, I think so. I We were talking about it before the show, and Man, the other thought I thought too, Tyler, I mean, you, you have an engine program and you have all these teams that are working. 
to the possibility that resources are being spread a little too thin. And there's a lot more that's being asked, a lot more stress on the people building these engines. Because it seems like after you have the win with Ross Chastain in June, and then you have Shane Van Gisbergen at the, at the Chicago Street Course in July, there's been a, a, a big tank fall off since then. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, so that, that ECR engine program, think about this. So in the Chevy camp, Dom, you basically have two sides, the Hendrick engine side and the ECR engine side. Hendrick's been consistently good all year with two teams, not everybody, but with two teams, uh, the five and the 24, the 88 or 88, the 48 and the nine have sucked. Um, and then everybody at the ECR side has basically been down since beginning of, you know, August or mid July. I mean, Really, Dom, I would point to that based on all that data and the results, what we're seeing out of the 24 and the 5 car right now is an anomaly compared to literally everyone else in the Chevy camp. Yeah, you're not wrong because William Byron's having a career year. Six wins. Like you've mentioned, Kyle Larson's looked as great as ever. But everybody else has just been a little bit off. And and, and like I've said in the past on this show, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman having great years compared to most drivers, but unacceptable to Hendrick Motorsports standards. Kyle Busch, three wins, looked like the Kyle Busch of old, and we really haven't seen anything from him. And since that win at Gateway, I think it was the two top five finishes since then and, and, and looked very lackluster in the playoffs. Colley Racing looked down. Trackhouse Racing has looked down. Yeah, it's been a, a very strange year to be a Chevrolet driver if you're not William Byron or Kyle Larson. Yeah, and I wonder how those conversations are going to be this offseason. Um, you know, if if the 24 car or the five win the championship, then Chevrolet, I think, is going to look past a lot of their issues and – soak up that championship and and all that. But if they don't, there's going to be some soul searching and some figuring out what can we do differently here and take those steps forward because, Dom, I, it's almost a scenario where, yes, the championship would do them great, and that's the ultimate goal, but if they don't win the championship, I think their problems – within the organization, if they win the championship, then the problems within the Chevy camp could get overlooked. They absolutely could. I, David has said it so many times on the show, winning fixes a lot of things. And you win that championship, you got on top for the 2024 season, you're going to overlook a lot of the shortcomings and the shortfallings of the 2023 season. And, and that could carry over into next year. I mean, this is the same car and, uh, you know, we haven't heard any big changes to the car for next year. I mean, uh, you pick up basically right from where you left off. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And momentum is going to be very real. And you have 90 days from the championship race to Daytona. That's just going to energize whoever wins the championship more, especially if it's the Chevy teams. They're going to be so thrilled. It's It'll be you, – you hope it's not a hangover season in the next year, but that momentum will be there. 
All right. Uh, next question from the inbox comes from Aaron. Aaron wants to know, guys, I thought the schedule was underwhelming that was released last year. What was your thoughts on what NASCAR put together? Uh, Aaron, I'll, I'll start off with this one, and then we'll go, we'll go to Dominic here. 100% I agree. The, the schedule was underwhelming. Uh, the Montreal deal falling apart at the 11th hour. We were told back in July that it was pretty much a done deal. Get your passports ready and all that. Um, but it wasn't just that, Dom. Like, for Daytona not to be the regular season finale. And, mm. you know, I'll say this. I know the tradition of Darlington having the Labor Day weekend race. But, I mean, let's be real. Who gives a shit? You know, like, <laughs> I don't I don't have to have Darlington on Labor Day weekend. If, if we got to push things back to accommodate the Olympics and all that – uh, or swap dates, we had something figured out, something great with Daytona being the regular season finale. That felt right. It was awesome. It's badass. Um, you know, what if even just, you know, making the playoffs start a week earlier or whatever it may be, like I, I, if, if we had something good there and NASCAR had something figured out, like why couldn't you be flexible or – Daytona Labor Day weekend would have been awesome or something like that. Like to me, it wasn't just the Montreal thing. That was uh that was disappointing. But just some of the other decision making, you know, we, we've been told all this by Ben Kennedy and you know about the international expansion and some of these great ideas they had. And at the end of the day, we got rid of one of the best things on our schedule of Daytona's the regular season finale. Um and we ended up adding in Iowa. Nothing against Iowa Speedway, but like of all that hype and we're going to Iowa, they wanted to go to that track 10 years ago. Why didn't we go there 10 years ago when it was brand new? Better late than never, I guess, with Iowa. I mean, maybe I was a little more amped up about the Iowa thing, but you're, you're saying my thoughts exactly on everything else, especially Daytona. I Look, Daytona, as a competitor, I'm sure, as the team's, Okay, you go that. Let's back up a little bit. When you had this 2014 format come in where you had 16 drivers make the playoffs, you win and you're in kind of deal. You get to Daytona, and that was the July race until 2020, and that was it. Nobody really had anything to look forward to. I think everybody in everyday life, Tyler, you need some sort of hope. You need something to look forward to. You had a crappy-ass season you still know you can be one of the 38 guys to go out there and win at Daytona in late August and still right the wrong and make the playoffs. And I, I feel like the magic of that is taken away. Maybe it was a little bit of artificial excitement, but for the teams, for the drivers, for the fans, most importantly, who make this sport possible, everybody wants a little bit of hope. And having Daytona as that last race of hope is taken away in the 2024 schedule. Now, is it a permanent thing? We'll have to wait and see. Maybe the Olympic thing made it a unique thing. Okay, we'll try something new here. But if you had something figured out, uh, I'm with you. An 11 race playoff schedule is a unique thing. Could have been something to look at. But that that hope, you're dashing the hope of competitors, the people who work on these cars, and the race fans who root for these drivers, especially if there's a season going disarray, 
And they have Daytona to look forward to that last regular season championship it, race before the championship races. It's just the excitement is robbed for me, Tyler, when I hear that. Well, and then the other thing, too. So I know NBC asked for the Olympic break. They need it. I get it. They they have to dedicate themselves fully to the Olympics come summertime. Comes with the territory. I, I totally understand. Yeah. But, like, what if instead of having this break, why don't we work out a trade where what if Fox did two races at that point in the year and NBC does two races earlier uh, and work with your partners that way? Because Fox's football coverage doesn't start till September anyway. So why, why wasn't that a possibility? Instead of this two-week break uh, that's going to delay the end of the season uh, for everybody, like – I, I think that we could avoid it altogether if we'd just gotten Fox involved in some sorts, work on a trade of sorts. Well, like, hey, you see with the NFL and so much flexibility with, with broadcast partners and something that a lot of these deals you see where games get flexed and moved, stuff that probably wasn't even thinkable 20 years ago. I think that well, could – So in the COVID year, back in 2020, where we went back and forth between Fox and NBC races. Yeah, who's not to say it could have happened again this year, right? So – yeah, it, it would be nice to – or for next year, I should say. It would be nice to see that. And I believe, too, Tyler, on the, the underwhelmingness of that schedule, too, there's no off weeks, if I remember correctly, from the early half. The only off weeks are going to be this Olympic break, and that's it. Yeah, that is it. Um, and the Xfinity schedule only has one standalone weekend. Uh, they're in Portland. Otherwise, they're racing adjacent to the Cup schedule every week. Um I think it's – I'll say this now. It's it's twofold when I look at the schedule. Like, you know, it's a hell of a lot better than what it was four or five years ago. Yes. But I expected more progress, more changes by now. I do – you know, we're on average, what is it, about one or two different new races a year right now, which isn't bad, but it could be further along here. Like, take example – IndyCar, for example, other than the Indy 500, you have and, and Long Beach, those two, you have no idea what the races are going to be year by year, and it's always pieceful in the puzzle of of the date and the track and all that here. Like NASCAR, a lot of it is is set in its ways, and as far as the Iowa thing goes, I, I, I'm afraid for the folks of Iowa that this is going to be like false hope. Like, are they? just a placeholder for until Montreal comes around or until California Speedway comes back. Like, uh, mm. that would suck if you're somebody from Iowa, you're just a placeholder. Because that's, that's what happened to Road America. They ended up being just a placeholder uh, until the Chicago street course came about. Is that what's going to happen with Iowa here where they just hold the spot, keep the seat warm, basically? And then, you know, someone else is going to come in and take their date. Like, that's, that's kind of shitty. That's, that's food for thought, though. I hadn't really thought about it like that. You're right, because Road America was on the schedule for two years, and that was it. And we have the Chicago Street course for at least another two years. And if that doesn't happen, what else is going to happen after that? Are they going to put a placeholder event until something bigger and better comes along? You know those fans in that Midwest. We were talking about it last week. NASCAR is going all in on this Midwest expansion and having more Midwest presence. You're really going to disappoint the fans out there if this is a one-year right. deal or a two-year deal. 
and and you could make enemies, uh, really, if you just show up and leave. I mean, you almost think, Dom, let's say my theory here about the Iowa being a potential placeholder. Let's say it's a placeholder. Would NASCAR be better off, just naming a track here, doing two races at Homestead as opposed to just these one-offs at Iowa and screwing those people over after that? Like, if it's a placeholder, you might as well go to Homestead or something like that again. Homestead was a great track, and we've been there before, and you can tell right. it's very passionate down there in South Florida. But they're also and very you can passionate. make it very clear. Just be upfront with those people, like, "Hey, we're mm-hmm. giving you this race for now, but like, it's not the long term plan." Like, I think the Iowa folks are being sold a bag of goods, convinced like, "Hey, we're here," when there's no guarantee they will be. It's, yeah, it's not guaranteed, and and it's only a one year deal as of right now. I mean, it could be more, and I, I might have missed that along the way, but. Yeah, those fans have been wanting a race up there for a long time. They have it. I, I think there's going to be a lot of bitterness, rightfully so, if they only have it for a one- or two-year deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I'm, uh, we're out of time, but before we wrap up and, uh, and go today, what's uh, what's going on with you this week, man? This week I'll be out in Las Vegas. We'll be covering the NASCAR race. We'll have a full team out there with the racing experts with our Jonathan Field. Friend of the show, another friend of the show with Joe Larquente. And why am I slipping on our fourth guy? Well, they're going to kill me. Oh, Joseph Aigo, our, our guy from Arizona, is going to be on our team as well. So we have, we have a good team. We have a good team this weekend. And you know, I was telling you guys last week on the show, too, we took a little family trip out to Florida and really quick, a little bit of business, a little bit of pleasure. And on the business side of stuff, a lot of fun to, to work with Jeff Bodine, continuing on the book. We we're picking out pictures, Tyler. So we're, we're getting really close to, to getting all that good to go. But, we're, you know, we're working really hard with the trilogy and the, that that goal of having that book out around the Daytona 500. It's all coming together and can't wait for you guys to see it. Going from one side of the coast to the other in a week. I like that, Dom. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Tyler? Let's keep you busy over the next few days. You know, that's a good question because uh, I am uh, still actually figuring some stuff out for the weekend of what I'm going to do or not. Um, but I will, uh, by the time you're listening to this, folks, uh, uh, actually uh, joining David for his uh, smoke show with Tony Stewart there at Texas Motor Speedway Wednesday night. Um, so by the time this is out, it would have already happened, but uh, it certainly should be exciting. And, you know, we, we've – I've been around Tony Stewart, but never actually interacted with him one-on-one. So I'd love to get the chance to chat with Tony uh, and pick his brain a bit because he is uh, he's awesome. I mean, Tony's a badass. Uh, one of the just greatest pure racers of all time. One of the best personalities the sport's ever seen. So uh, I'd love to get a chance to chat with Tony. So that should be fun. And, and uh, yeah, it should be a fun weekend. So certainly looking forward to all that. Uh, Dom? We'll uh, put the checkered flag out on uh, this episode. Glad we still got to do this, uh, you and I, just kind of, you know, get together and catch people up to speed. So much going on. We couldn't not have a show this week. Uh, But we'll be back here next week here on Let's Go Racing. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Subscribe to the show uh, and uh, make sure to – Hit that like button. We certainly would appreciate that. Follow us on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, x at starpodcast, and you're going to email us, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. He's Dominic Oregon. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.